Hi, I'm Jesse Pruitt, and this is the Light of Hope. I am just so glad that you are with us today. I'm happy to have you join me on this uh, first of the year episode. We are we are thrilled to to be able to have a brand new year. We um, we're glad to say goodbye to 2020. <laughs> As someone very humorously pointed out, uh, hindsight is definitely 2020. That's good enough for me. Uh, we're glad that uh, that we're still healthy and everything is as well as it is. So we're hoping the same is the case with you. This is the Light of Hope, and if you've uh, joined us for the first time, we do this podcast, and it's episodic. It's um, We try to do as many as we can uh, during the month, and uh, we are studying through the Gospel of John. And we are finding ourselves today in John chapter 2, and we're going to continue. Now, before I do, let me say one more uh, thing. We have um, acquired a, a new listener or listeners in uh, the northwestern portion of France, of uh, Paris, actually, Paris, France. Uh, Clichy, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, we thank you for listening. You know, we have some faithful people over there listening to our podcast. Thank you very much. We're glad that you joined us, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Thank you. Um, many other parts of the world and um, the United States, and we certainly have a lot of growing to do. Uh, we don't do this for any other reason than to just simply share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Um, we don't, let me just mention this while I'm here. We don't monetize this. This is not about, uh, hey, send me an offering or any of that kind of stuff. We don't do that. Uh, we're here simply because that's the burden that the Lord has put upon our heart. And we are here teaching through the Word. So let's get to John chapter 2. Now, last episode, right before Christmas, I wanted to do more, but I just did not have the opportunity. Uh, we studied John chapter 2, 1 through 5, and the last episode was Christ the Devoted Son. Um, we found, just to recap, uh, that... Uh, we're about to get to the main part that people understand that John chapter 2 is about. Uh, there's another portion of it as well uh, that we'll cover next time. But this is going to be about the wedding at Cana of Galilee. And um, <clears throat> we'll be addressing that part. But the first, you might say, the, um, the part leading up to this event, we just uh, felt like we needed to, to talk about Christ the devoted son because he was most definitely devoted to his mother and her wishes. Now let's continue with that in John chapter 2 and we're going to start about uh, verse 6 and go through 11 and this is the portion about the wedding at Cana and uh, the turning of the uh, the miracle. Uh, his first miracle of his public ministry was turning this water into wine at the Cana, the marriage feast at the at Cana of Galilee. <clears throat> now, we've called this Christ the Wine of Joy. Um, if we had a subtitle, we'd say the true vine 
and the new wine <laughs> because the the new wine had to come from uh, the true vine. <clears throat> and there are a couple things that we're going to make mention. We're going to keep this very simple, but uh, I want you to see some truth about this. The Hebrew, I've heard different people say, well, the, the meaning of wine and the representation of it is transformation. And that, that could be true uh, to a certain extent. But the Hebrew uh, meaning of wine, and, and we have several references for that, is joy. And that could include transformation because when Christ transforms your life, it brings joy. And what needed to happen here was they were about to run. They had run out of wine. They had already run out of wine, and it was a... It was a a, a crisis. <laughs> Just put it that way. It was a crisis, and and Jesus' mother uh, knew that it was a crisis, and we'll, we'll explain that basically. <clears throat> so Hebrew, the Hebrew significance of wine means joy. You're going to find that in Psalm 104:15. You're also going to find it in Judges 9:13. If you want to write these down and look at them later, and you'll find it in Isaiah 55:1. And <clears throat> the wine gladdens the heart of man, and that's what he was making reference to in in these scriptures. So the Hebrew representation or significance of wine is joy. So what Jesus did is he restored the joy to a situation that had lost its joy. And I think that because of the uh, situation, the people did not realize they had. Now, there are a couple of different things here, and I've made reference to this before, and I stated that probably they weren't wealthy people, and that, that's probably true. Uh, most likely, the, the folks in that area were not just, you know, just greatly wealthy people, uh, so they may have run out of wine simply because uh, they just didn't have, you know, that much money or that much uh, resources. That could be true, and it also could be true, and someone else mentioned this, and I, I will give this some, some serious consideration, because it could be true because they weren't necessarily wealthy people. There could have been a lot of kinfolk, if you will. <laughs> I'm a country boy. <laughs> there could have been a whole lot of kinfolk showed up at the wedding, and it might have just been basically inundated by a lot of people and maybe uh, taxed their expectations. Let's put it that way. So, that, you know, it could be both. It could be either one. Uh, I think it's probably a combination of the two. Uh, either way, um, you, you've got to understand a couple of things, and I'm going to make mention of three things here. I want us to look at the social element. The social element, this, and understanding just a little bit, we're not going to get too deep into this, there is a there is an element in Eastern culture, at least in those days for sure, of uh, reciprocity, you, the, the reciprocal element of that. In other words, let's just put it like this. If I put on a wedding for your family, you're, we're all part of the, you know, the same family, and let's just say I hosted the wedding um, for yours, your, your family member, and it was a great success and everything was wonderful and great. And then when my family member, um, was getting married and you did not reciprocate <laughs> and, and, and put on just as good a wedding, <laughs> you might say, or a feast, 
as we did, then then there were some feelings hurt and probably even some legal replications. I mean, there, there were just a lot of things that, that were part of that society. So there was a social element to this. And so when uh, Mary came to her son and she said to him, they have no wine, uh, it, it had a lot of meaning. And he was like... Um, responding to her, and we mentioned this last episode, it was not a a um, disrespectful term. People use the term woman nowadays, and they may say it in a different way and mean it in a different way. So you, you can't always bring everything to to our culture and try to interpretate, interpret what happened in theirs. Uh, you have to understand uh, the significance and the, the cultural background of that. And it was not a disrespectful term at all it was actually very respectful and he always spoke to his mother in a respectful way but he reminded her this this is not my time mom my lady he may have said something similar to uh what we would say my lady today i mean it, it he was reminding her what is this to do with us you know uh, this is not my time and and yet as we mentioned in last episode she knew who he was. She knew where he came from. That's why she knew who he was, because uh, she had borne him, and God had chosen her to do it. She also knew what he could do. And so she came to him, maybe in desperation. This is a serious event. <laughs> we have to, we're running, this is, this is a crisis. And all she said, she demonstrated faith and that she looked, she didn't know exactly what he was going to do. She knew what he was capable of, capable of doing. But she looked at the servants basically and said, you do whatever he tells you to do. That was an act of faith on her part. And we know that he then told them to fill the stone water pots. Now, <clears throat> they were stone water pots rather than clay water pots because of the rituals of of the Judeo, Judeo uh or the Jew, the Jews of that day, uh, Judaism is the word that I was looking for. Uh, because of their rituals, the clay water pots tended to might you know contain some kind of contaminants or something like that. The stone water pots um, did not, and that took a I'm sure a lot of um, a lot of effort to make those. I can imagine. I've seen some pictures of them. <clears throat> However, they were used for ritual purification. So basically what would happen is you would come into the residence and you, instead of doing like you might see on a Western movie or something like that where they would uh, pour the water, or maybe in old times where they uh, have a wash basin and you, they would dip, the water, dip their hands in the water, that was not the way they did things. Moving water or living water, we see the, the term in the scriptures, was water basically that was poured over the hands and it was a, it was part of their ritualistic cleansing and that's what these water pots were originally for now whether or not they had them in action and they were actually using them I don't know I don't know it could be it would kind of be a little bit funny if they had been washing their hands or using that water to wash they weren't dipping their hands down the inside the water pots but they were actually if they were actually using them, they actually used something to dip it and pour their water, you know, pour the water over their hands so it wasn't uh, a problem that way. But nevertheless, 
I'm sure they would have probably thought, man, where did this come from? And if they had known, they might have been a little bit uh, upset going, why? (laughs) Why did he do it that way? Well, he just did it the way he wanted to do it. Um, But there was that social element, and uh, this was a, a serious crisis. There's also a practical application. And the practical application, of course, was that they would wash their hands by, you know, pouring it over their uh, having that water poured over their hands and and washing that way. <clears throat> but there's also another practical application that I want to mention here. <clears throat> and I am the <laughs> kind of always been the slayer of sacred cattle. <laughs> I mean, if, there, if there's a sacred cow to be shot, I'll probably be the guy that sh- shoots him. But um, the point here is this, and I hear this, all, I've heard it all my life, and I know I've had preachers, I've had friends, I've had so many people that disagree. Well, was this, was this alcoholic or was it not? Let me tell you something. The, the dispute about whether it was Welch's or Boone's Farm is, is, a, is really a, a pointless issue. I don't care. I'm going to be honest with you. And when I was younger, yes, that was a, something I always wanted to know. Well, did they, did he make it, you know, where they could get drunk off of it or he didn't? I'll pop, I promise you today, I don't care. It's not even an issue with me because that's not the point of this whole thing at all. So you want to, if you want to argue with me about that, you're going to be arguing with the, arguing with a tree or something because I'm not going to stand still and listen. I don't have time for that. It's not even an issue with me. I don't care. The point is this, that the wine represents the joy. The party was about to lose its joy, and Jesus came in and restored the joy. Now, what does that have to do? Well, it brings us not only, we looked at our social element and our practical application, that brings us to the spiritual implication. The spiritual implication was here that Christ is the true vine. He's the one to bring about the new wine. So, and and now we look back, and we're almost running out of time here, but we look back at the parable of the old wineskins and the new wine, and you can understand very quickly that something had to happen. Religion, the, the rich, ritualistic part of religion, that, that just religion in itself, is man's best effort to get to God, and that's not going to work. And even Paul talked about... Um, in in Second Corinthians five, uh, he said in, in verse nineteen that God was in Christ reconcil- reconciling the world to Himself, uh, not reconciling Himself to the world, but bringing us reconciling us back to God, and that's what Christ had come to do. He had come to this earth for the specific purpose of going to the cross. Yes, they didn't drag him kicking and screaming. He went to the cross, and even someone had made a a friend of mine uh, made some kind of mention of something they heard some preacher say on the radio that that Christ hung helplessly on the cross or something. Let me tell you something. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. He gave it. Gave it willfully. He gave up the ghost. You'll see that in the text. Yes, he did. He came to this earth for the purpose of going to the cross and dying for our sins. That's what he came for. I'll tell you. That's what he did. And the best part of it all 
is that on the third day, he rose. And that's why we can have the, the idea that, and, and the promise that we're going to have a new body. This old body right here is not going to heaven, I promise you. It's headed straight the other direction. It's, it's going to wind up in the dirt and become part of the, uh, the dust again, right where it came from. But because I have Christ living in me, because I have that hope and because I have that life, one day, one day, He's going to change me. He's going to change you. We'll be changed. Yes, we will. Some of us are going to be changed in midair. That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. But we're not going to hold back the ones that have died in Christ and, and their spirits are in His presence. And their body may be laying in the grave. They're not there. They're with the Lord Jesus. But we're not going to hinder those because they're going to be changed in midair. And then we're going to be caught up to meet Him. Oh, that's, oh man, that's another message. We, we don't have time to go there today. But I, that excites me. That could happen any day now. It could. But here's the thing. Do you have the new wine of joy, Christ Jesus, the true vine? Do you have Him living in your life? That's my question today. Forget all this other stuff about whether, you know, these details were this or that. Listen, the message here is very simply, very, very simple, and it's very simply that Christ wants to live in you. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. So what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Well, that's about all the time we have. Until the next episode, I'm Jesse Pruitt. You've been listening to The Light of Hope.